I'm Elliot Pollock, and you're listening to Masters and Mavericks in Global Marketing. This is the special Cannes Lions series edition called View from the Top. Now, I'm with Sofiane C. Merabet, who is the marketing director at LVMH Fragrance Brands. Hello, Sofiane. Hello, Elia. How are you? Yeah, very well. Um, Sofiane, I wanted to ask you um, how you pronounce your name. Uh, it depends actually on which languages, on which language you are going to pronounce it. If it's in French, it will be Sofiane Simerabet. In English, Sofiane Simerabet. In Arabic, Sofiane Simerabet. Well, um, how many languages do you speak? I speak uh, fluently four languages, learning a fifth one. So I speak French, English, Arabic, Spanish. And uh, I'm learning Italian now. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so true citizen of the world today. Um, and the Sofiane leads marketing for some very prestigious global brands, Givenchy Cosmetics, Kenzo, Fendi Fragrances. You've been at um, LVMH Fragrance Brands for about five years. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. And you are, um, I'm in London right now. Where are you? Uh, I'm in Dubai. And uh, you're a long-standing uh, resident of Dubai. Previously, I think you were at L'Oreal for about five years. Exactly. Almost like six years and a half. I was based okay. in Paris. Then after, uh, I moved to Dubai. Okay. So now we have a little background about Sofiane. Um the view from the top format is an interview where my guest long or shorts one word and long or short usually refer to whether you've staked your money on a stock's price rising or falling. But today we're not talking about the stock market, but the future of international marketing. Um, Sofiane, you're on the hot seat. Are you ready? <laughs> yes, I am. Okay. First word, selfie. Selfie, I would say long. Uh, I don't know exactly if it will be, always be with phones, but uh, I think that it will be a long trend. We've always been looking for something to keep memories, normal pictures, paintings. I think earlier that even since the Italian Renaissance, people used to have their own uh, portraits, you know, big families. When you see some portraits, I was in Florence uh, last month, you know, like to, to, to learn Italian. Yes. Exactly. And actually looking at the Medicis uh, portraits, for me, I was just seeing them as, uh, as old selfies. Not everybody could afford it, though. So it's gone. It's become more democratic. Exactly. And especially that the results, the outcome is not exactly the same. When you look at, uh, at some paintings, you see that they are like really artistic. Coming from selfies, I would say that Naturally speaking, I would say that it's not something I'm really in favor of because it's showing narcissism and it's not, it's not something always very elegant when you look at people like uh, everywhere in the streets all over the world taking selfies. Um, yeah, for me, it's really a symbol of narcissism. But at the same time, it depends actually what's the purpose of a selfie. Sometimes, you know, if it's a group selfie with people, with friends, it can be something quite nice, you know, if you just want to share a moment, share an experience with friends and family. So actually, I would say duck face selfie short <laughs> and smiling okay. or group selfie long. 
Oh, you're you're okay. You're taking two sides of it, and you mentioned um, today with phones. You think it will be with virtual reality in the future? I think so. I think so because uh, I think that we need to dig a little bit more on what is a selfie. Selfie is just like it depends. You can have the narcissist uh, way of seeing it, like okay, I just want to have a picture of myself and seeing actually how do I look today, which is uh, basically how we used to use mirrors before. So it's pure narcissism. Or it depends if it's something that you want to share with friends, with families. And I think if you look at this goal, uh, at this uh, final object objective, I think that, yeah, it will be used by virtual reality. Well, perhaps that leads us into the second word, millennials. Millennials. Uh, millennials, I would say long, at least uh, demographically. Because uh, if you consider that millennials are people who are born since uh, 1980s to early 2000s, I think, it's what is quite uh, widely accepted, I would say that millennials are here, millennials are coming, um, and millennials are going to take more and more power. Um, if you actually, you know, if you speak about millennials, what are we talking about? We're talking about like a like the X generation was before now the, the Y generation. Millennials, it's all about generation of confidence, tolerance. But also, as I was uh, mentioning before earlier with uh, the selfies, Elliot, I think it's also a lot of narcissism. And uh, so we need also to balance it. Yes, and the brands that you um, um, are the guardian of, um, are, are you focusing quite a bit on millennials or not necessarily? Exactly. Uh, the brands I'm working for are luxury brands, and uh, especially when it comes to fragrances, makeup, or skincare, uh, the image that we tend to give is a very established image. But at the same time, especially in the region, because you're talking the Middle East, if you take the example of Saudi Arabia, where you have 70% of the population who is less than 30 years old, uh, millennials are crucial. So we, we have to find uh, a way to communicate in a luxury way, in a very uh, respecting the brand equity to this, uh, to this consumers. Interesting challenge. So that's a long. Number three, Uber. So Uber, I uh, would say long. Uh, but when I say long, I'm not sure that I'm talking just about the company itself, but more about the business model. When we speak about Uber, we speak about the symbol of a collaborative economy. Uh, it's, uh, it's really breaking some existing barriers in terms of uh, the way we were doing business uh, before. If you look at the different conflicts uh, which happened, for example, in France with taxi drivers, you really see that it's, uh, it's a key point in, in how we're doing business now, Uber. Uh, if you say Uber, it echoes to uh, Airbnb. Now you see, uh, I think that is the, the case also in England. You have more and more hospitality professionals uh, who are raising uh, voices against Airbnb. But I think that what we call the urbanization, the urbanization, sorry, of the economy is uh, is also to be linked to millennials, to what you asked me before. Uh, because being a very autonomous generation looking for work and private life balance, uh, it's 
it's what you get with the urbanization. Like people want to be free to work when they want. They want to be more autonomous. And I think that it should be developed in more sectors. Number four, emotion. Emotion, I would say long, long, long. Uh, at least I hope. Uh, I hope that emotion will remain central in both our private and business life. Uh, if you focus on uh, business, I do believe that in showing emotion when you present a project or when you defend an idea, you're doing it differently and you're doing it more successfully. Uh, especially when it comes to creation, uh, emotions are bonds. They are creating links between people. And uh, I would even say that in marketing, emotions are tools to be used. Uh, if you look at the big marketing campaigns, the big advertising campaigns, uh, which we all remember today, they are all campaigns, they are all uh, projects which uh, have emotionally uh, moved us. Elia, yes. Do you agree or not? Yeah, absolutely. And you, you've referred now to two things. One is collaborative economy, and the other is creativity. Fifth word, co-creation. Yeah, so co-creation, uh, I would say long also. Uh, I've personally always believed in working, thinking, or brainstorming as a group. And not, not, not only alone. Cause, uh, I mean, you can have ideas, you can have very successful ideas, but I think that to make ideas successful, you need energy. And this energy, you will get it from people, from group. So even on a personal level, every time when I work with, uh, with my team, I, I'm always like sharing ideas. Uh, it's very important to work together, not only in terms of execution, but in terms of cre creativity and in terms of creation. Uh, you need this energy, the energy of a group, to fully develop the, any creative idea. From your point of view, does co-creation extend also to certain customers or influencers who are not part of the brand themselves? Yes, exactly. It depends, and I think it's something that we will uh, will deal with later. It depends to what extent you're ready just to 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 be open to expose your ideas. Uh, what I was talking about co-creation is more than internal in, a, in the brand level. I think that if you want to deal with influencers, if you want to deal with uh, third part, you need to be very clear what that you look for, which means that you need to be ready also just to be nurtured by the ideas or by the, um, the opportunities other people can give you, but you need to be quite clear. Otherwise, you're going to be lost, I think. Control. Control, it's a little bit linked to, to the previous question. Uh, I would say short, uh, short, but to, to some level. Uh, I think that we need some control uh, to success, but you can't base any business or any relation, any, any management decision on control. I think, Elliot, you speak German. A little bit. Yeah, German often use the, this expression, which is like trust without control is nothing. So uh, I'm more in favor of trust of, you know, trustworthy relation to giving uh, autonomy. So I think what you're saying is some degree of control that you actually see more as trust. Isn't this a really big change from how established brands have done things in the past where they were searching primarily for control? 
Exactly, and I think it's still the case depending on the brands. Some some key brands now are still not very active on digital media because they're really afraid of losing control. I'm not going to give any names, but uh, yeah, some very big established brands. No, nobody, no, no, nobody is listening. It's just between you and me. You can give names. Uh, in terms of social media, uh, you can see that a lot of brands are still very... I would say they were control freak uh, regarding uh, the digital image. And I can understand it to some extent, but then after it depends on how you want your brand to be to be perceived by consumers and how you want it to be uh, lively. Right. So a brand is something like, especially when it comes to luxury, we, you know, we're not the brand owners. We are hmm. just inheritance of... Uh, of histories, of uh, of views, of, uh, of of perfect uh, execution, of perfect details, of creativity. So it's quite easy just to uh, just I wanted to kill a brand, but just like really to to to, uh, to sabotage uh, years and years of of work. So right. it's something we really need to to keep in mind that we're just inheritance and we're just here just to help brands to live in the modern environment. Number seven, local difference. Uh, long, long and longer, uh, <laughs> especially regarding my my personal experience. You know, uh, I'm French, but I'm French-Algerian, so I've always been like on the fringe of two cultures. Yeah. And Dubai is great for that because it's, uh, I think... All cultures. Exactly, exactly. I mean, it's perfect to be here uh, like two hours from... from from Iran, from the Middle East, uh, very close to India. So it's very important, and I think especially in a city uh, as Dubai, you can feel the importance of local differences. Uh, for years, I've been seeing uh, uniform, uniformization everywhere, you know, like people telling us that consumers want the same, they want the same mm-hmm. car, they want the same food, they want the same clothes everywhere. And um, I'm quite happy to see that even if it's true that everywhere in the world people are looking for uh, to, to satisfy the same needs, yeah, um, wherever you are, yeah, you want to communicate, so you are using a phone or something else. Uh, you want to to look beautiful when you you want to to smell good. You, you want to to eat uh, exquisite food, but these are goals. I think when it comes to um, marketing and to how we have to answer these needs, uh, you have to bring local answers. You, you've actually developed local products yourself, haven't you? And I've participated into like uh, the development of local products, exactly, in terms of fragrances, uh, local fragrances, because you know in the Middle East, uh, local, local taste is very, very developed, actually. We even tend to say that... Um, Middle East is the is the first region where fragrances, uh, like very sophisticated fragrances, used to be developed, and it's still the case now. With oh, I'm sure if you go to London, you're in London, right? If you go to yes. uh, to Howard or Selfridges, you will see that special blends or special niche fragrances uh, are are big things, uh, especially for Middle Eastern consumers. Uh, what, what I wanted to say that, yeah, indeed, uh, you have this local, uh, local trend, uh, which you really need to listen to, um, 
for example, for fragrances, I was mentioning uh, Middle East. Uh, for hair care, in my previous jobs, when I was working for L'Oreal, it was Brazil. And now, uh, now when it comes to skincare, for example, Korea is a big thing. Yeah, where you you have cultural differences, differences in trends, and also ethnic differences. Definitely, yes, yes, exactly. You have to base actually what you really want to do as as marketers, and it's something I keep saying, especially for operational teams. Uh, you need to be always, always, always uh, in line, or you, you you always need to to dig. Uh, on your own market, you need to think locally and not just to adapt uh, international uh, mm. concepts. Do you think more so today? You were mentioning the the world seems to be in some ways much more uniform due to interconnection. Um, do you think that means that this understanding of local difference is more important than in the past, or less? I think it is just like on a on a business a business level now. When you look at the, at where the growth is coming, the growth is coming from from Asia, from the Indian subcontinent, Middle East, to more Africa. So I think yeah, you really have to listen to uh, to your consumers. Your your our consumer in terms of beauty uh, is not just uh, Mrs. Smith or Madame Durand, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really about uh, a rainbow of beauty. Different beauties and beauty is not just uh, for white European women. Beautiful expression, rainbow of beauties. Number eight, Trump. I would say short. I mean, I hope, and uh, I will be very short on that. I will just use the. You remember when he was when Donald Trump was part of The Apprentice? He used to say to people, "You're fired." <laughs> I think we get your message here. But is the way that he's used um, social media, for instance, is that something that marketers can learn something from it if we abstract any political content? Mm, I think that it's not it's not just based on digital, I don't know, on digital. Actually, what Donald Trump is just showing us now is just like uh, it was the case, I think, years, years before with uh with uh, with Reagan, it's just like people. I mean, at least some people uh, are looking for uh, politicians they know, even if they are not established politicians. They are looking for known faces. And I think for certain people, for certain Americans, it's a face they know. Yeah. Well, enough about I think uh, about that person. Um, he's been discussed enough in the media. Let's move on to newsroom. So newsroom, um, I, I would tell you uh, the way I've understood newsroom because uh, I think that there's different meanings for newsroom. So yeah. obviously we're not talking about the TV series, <laughs> which I have never watched, so it's okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say long. I would say long. Uh, because now it's all about creating content. It's all about creating uh, adapted content and valuable elements for brands. Uh, it's linked a little bit to what you were asking me about control. Uh, I think newsroom are now for us a great opportunity as marketers. Uh, it's a great opportunity in our jobs uh, to reinvent ourselves, to reinvent, to reinvent the way we were doing business, to reinvent the way we were uh, working on a daily basis. You know, before we used to work on 360 approach, uh, we used to 
to work on a strategy and then how to to reach some business um, some, some business goals. Uh, now with newsroom, uh, we have to think on a longer term. We have to think uh, actually as newspaper magazines are doing, which is right. quite pretty normal for them, but uh, which is a real challenge for a company. Coming out every day with something interesting. Exactly, exactly. So uh, it's also like showing us that as marketers, we need to, as uh, marketer professionals, marketing professionals, we need to be more and more in contact with our market, uh, keeping like keeping a foot in uh, in the company uh, and putting another one within the market, like being uh, more aware of competitions, market trends reading more and um, actually it's a, it's a trend that I like newsroom because it's giving us more and more power as local teams versus development or headquarter teams. Tenth word, final word. Originally I was going to say can, but I'd actually like to say Dubai instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dubai, <laughs> I can speak about Dubai for hours now, you know. Yeah, Dubai is a city I love. Some people hate it, some people love it. What I love about it is that it's a new world, it's very young, it's developing with people from around the world, and to me it seems like the future. But you live in Dubai, and that's why I'm interested in your view. Dubai, uh, Dubai's future, yeah, exactly. It's the, it's the way the city is uh, it's really presenting itself. But at the same time, Dubai is just showing us how you can reinvent yourself. Because Dubai, as an idea, Dubai as a, as a city of opportunities, Dubai as a, as a big trade port is not new. Since the beginning of the centuries, you know, Dubai has been uh, a key port um, for, uh, for traders from Iran and from all the Gulf. It's just like that Dubai has managed uh, to reinvent itself thanks to the visions of, uh, of some of its, uh, of its leaders. Uh, Dubai really managed to, to show us that there is not limits in uh, what you're dreaming on. It was a desert like uh, 30 years ago, and now, now they've really managed to put Dubai on the map. Yeah, well, one of my friends says Dubai is the new America, the land of opportunity. Definitely, yeah, definitely, exactly. Um, but but important also as a region um, for the brands that you manage, isn't it? Yes, because uh, Dubai is giving us uh, a peaceful and very uh, business-friendly and uh, a great place to live uh, to base our activities. For the regions, because you know, like uh, our biggest markets are, are Saudi Arabia, uh, UAE for sure, but also Kuwait. So we're traveling uh, quite often. Uh, for LVMH fragrance brand, we are dealing with uh, more than 15 countries, which is the case for a lot of other brands, for a lot of other companies. So we are dealing with uh, Levant, so Lebanon, Syria, uh, Jordan, Iraq. Uh, the Gulf, Egypt, Indian some uh, subcontinent. So, uh, which is usually diverse. Sometimes, so let's say, seen from the U.S., where I'm from originally, um, there is a vision of the Middle East. Well, everybody speaks Arabic, and it's it shouldn't be too different. What you're saying here is there's very high diversity. It is. It is. Even like 
even like you know when commercially we're taking some um, some shortcuts uh splitting the Middle East into like uh, three uh, sub-regions, you know, saying that, yeah, okay, you have Egypt, you have Levant, you have the Gulf, but even in the Gulf, you have big differences between Emiratis and Saudi consumers, between Kuwaitis, and I will go even deeper, if you go at Saudis, you have big differences between like the Jeddah consumers, the Riyadh consumers, and the East Provinces consumers. Uh, people are very different, and uh, it's really something that, like if you want to be a successful uh, marketer, something that you need to to understand. Yeah, though I think Sophia, and this has been the most extensive view from the top. Um, I found uh, so interesting the detail and the depth that you went into with just a few simple words, and I want to thank you for that. Um, one of my takeaways from it is the expression beyond all the insights that you've shared. Um, the expression rainbow of beauties. I hope to be able to use that expression in, somehow. Um, and I just want to ask you, is there a word you would have liked me to ask that I didn't? Mm, maybe passion. Hmm. Actually, not maybe, surely, yeah, passion. Uh, passion is something which personally has always uh, moved me and animated me if I'm waking up if I wake up every morning to work or if I'm I'm having new ideas and sharing new concepts with uh, clients or, or like in my case retailers it's passion uh, I think that it's key in our jobs to to have passion so to start with passion to keep passion and to keep feeding it you need to nurture yourself by passion if you feel that you're not passionate enough change, like change industry, change country, change environment, but keep being passionate. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Sofiane, for taking time today. And I think our listeners um, will have found this a really interesting conversation. Thank you very much. Shukran. <laughs>